Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this weekend are a treasure trove in regard to human sexuality and marriage. Two topics much discussed and much misunderstood today. I want to just draw some basic conclusions from these powerful scriptures. I'd urge you, though, when you have a chance, sit down on your own time and read through these scriptures from Genesis, from Hebrews, and from the Gospel of Mark. They really are a wonderful source for understanding what Catholics um, think about sexuality and marriage. Here's a first principle now I'm going to garner from these texts. Catholics are not puritanical in regard to sex. Let me just say that again. Catholics are not Puritans when it comes to sex. We're not against sex, just the contrary. Now, I know the opponents of the church will often um, pillory us on this score, as though we're some kind of world-denying or pleasure-denying ascetics. Not true. There's a strain that runs through the history of the religions and philosophies of the world. Call it the Gnostic or Manichaean or dualist strain. What am I talking about? I mean the view that the spiritual is good and the material, therefore, is bad. One of the upshots is that which draws us most fully into the realm of the physical, namely sexuality, is especially bad. And you'll find that, as I say, in this Gnostic or dualistic strain. It's not just in Christianity. You can find it in many of the great religions and philosophies of the world. But here's the interesting thing. Christianity at its best has always denied this puritanical philosophy. How come? Two basic reasons. First of all, the book of Genesis. The God of the Bible pronounces all of creation, from the stars and the planets to the birds that fly and insects that crawl upon the ground, as good, even very good. Now see, listen, don't take this for granted. That is not by any means a universal perspective. As I suggest, there is an awful lot of the puritanical strain. You see it in Plato, for example, and Plato's philosophy has been massively influential in the West. You see it in various forms of Eastern philosophy, too. Spirit good, uh, matter bad. But that is not the view of the Bible. There is, accordingly, for us, nothing fallen or compromised or dirty about sexual desire, the sexual act, or sexual pleasure in themselves. Now, I'll get to the fall. I mean, we live in a fallen world, so everything that we deal with is compromised. But in themselves... There's nothing compromised or dirty or problematic about sexual desire, the sexual act, or sexual pleasure. We Catholics don't think that physical pleasure somehow moves you away from the spiritual. 
in point of fact, if it's properly handled, it's a way into the spiritual. Nowhere is this notion more beautifully and compellingly expressed than in Jesus' great image of the husband and wife becoming one flesh. Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty clear uh, image, isn't it? Notice the stress on the word flesh, by the way. Flesh, for Jews and Christians, is not a bad thing. A husband and wife becoming one flesh, which is a pretty, a pretty strong image, is praised, is held up, is celebrated by the Lord. Okay, you say, if all that's true, what then separates Catholic teaching or biblical teaching from the Playboy philosophy? Wouldn't the Playboy philosophy say that sex and sexual pleasure and so on are all good and they should be celebrated? Let me say this. It's not that the former is puritanical and the latter is sensual. It's that the latter holds that sexual pleasure is a value simply for its own sake. Turned in on itself. It's the Playboy philosophy. Whereas the former, I mean Catholic or biblical thought, holds that sexual pleasure is properly related to love and finds itself transfigured, elevated, precisely through love. It's not that Hugh Hefner is is praising the sensual and and Catholics are, are down on the sensual. That's not right. The difference is Hugh Hefner would hold the sensual is simply a value for its own sake. Where in Catholic thought, the beauty, the goodness of sensuality is transfigured, heightened, elevated when it's connected to love. Now, friends, this really isn't complicated because everything in the Christian view should be related to love because love is what God is. Love is what God is, and God is the very ground and source of existence. And that's why everything in creation is related to love, comes from love, and returns to love. That's why our business lives, our friendships, our recreation, our ambitions, all of it should be related to love. And if they're not, they tend to cave in on themselves in a destructive way. Think of the way you're conducting your business life. Anything wrong with profit-making? Anything wrong with money-making? No, not in themselves. But all of that activity must be directed finally to love, which is willing the good of the other. And that's why I've said many times, as, as Catholic social teaching points out, yes, we have a right to private property, but the use of our private property must be directed, what? To the common good, which means directed to love. Our recreation, good? Of course it is. The church celebrates play in all its forms. But that too is directed to love. If that that gets out of step with love, it becomes self-indulgence. So sexuality is no exception to this rule. The pleasure of it is good. The physicality of it is good. The sheer fun of it is good. But it belongs, finally, 
to love. Otherwise, it will devolve in short order into something self-referential and ultimately self-destructive. Now, if you want to see the value and importance of this principle, look around much of our world today. We live in a world that has been shaped dramatically by the sexual revolution. At the heart of the sexual revolution is a kind of message of sexual liberation. Celebrate sensuality, sexuality, fine, fine, we would say. But the sexual revolution message is for its own sake. Simply as an expression of your own liberty. Sex purely as recreation. Pleasure divorced from even the vaguest sense of connection, friendship, commitment, or love. Now, what I'm talking about there is the hookup culture. I hope parents listening to me know what I'm talking about. The hookup culture is this view that the most casual kind of sexual connection is fine. Simply a matter of our freedom. Friendship, love, commitment, marriage, dare I say, and all that, all that is, is, uh, is set aside. Read Dr. Leonard Sachs's book to see the effect this culture is having on, especially young women. I did a uh, video commentary a couple weeks ago on an article I read by a woman named Hannah Rosen that was really um, shocking. She was talking about the hookup culture, as I described it, but she wasn't down on it. <laughs> she was celebrating it because it, it led to uh, liberation, especially for women. And here's a phrase she used. She said, I'm glad that young women who participate in the uh, hookup culture become, this is her language, savvy headhunters. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Kind of gathering, you know, trophies of their conquest. See, that's precisely what happens when you divorce the beauty and joy and exuberance and physicality of sex from the context of love. That's exactly what happens. Here's a third um, theme now I'll draw from these, uh, from these wonderful readings. I'll borrow uh, Fulton Sheen's uh, book title, Three to Get Married, he famously said. Listen now to the, the text from the Gospel. Jesus says, Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. So, principle one, sex is good. The physicality, joy of it is good. But second principle that must be tied to love, willing the good of the other. It must be tied to radical self-gift, precisely what we mean when we talk about marriage. But then here's the third point. Not only is it tied to love of the other, it's tied to love of God. And again, this language is important. What God has joined together. Aristotle long ago said that a friendship will endure in the measure that the two friends fall in love not so much with each other, but fall in love together with some great good that transcends them. It's a very interesting principle, isn't it? When two friends together fall in love with their country, or fall in love with philosophy, or fall in love with beauty, then their friendship will be cemented. So with a marriage... When two people fall in love, not just with each other, that's part of it, but when together 
they fall in love with the great transcendent good of God, then their marriage is really cemented. What God has joined together, we must not put asunder. See that the principle there? There are three to get married. If the third element is eliminated, and it's simply the love of two people, the friendship of two people, that will in the end devolve into something like a shared egotism. But when the transcendent referent point is in place, then that connection is made powerful. Last point, after making these observations about marriage, beautifully the gospel tells the story of people who bring children to Jesus that he might touch them. The disciples rebuked them, but the Lord saw this and became indignant. And he said, let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. A fourth principle, what's the fruit of all of this? Of the great joy and pleasure of physicality of sex, of the contextualizing of sex within the context of love, of the transcendent referent to God. What's the fruit of all this? Children. Children. We live in a culture that in some ways has become antipathetic to children. I mean, abortion the most obvious example, but there are many others you could cite. The Lord says, let the children come to me. The fruitfulness of love is a sign that these three elements are properly in place. Friends, the church has a very rich teaching on marriage and sexuality. Take a look in your own time today at this lovely passage from the 10th chapter of Mark. And may God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.